0: So, what if you could get really, really good at almost anything in 20 hours? From playing an instrument to learning a language to whatever it may be. Well, that's the hypothesis of Josh Kaufman and Josh in fact dove deep into the research and blew up a whole bunch of ideas around learning. And that ended up becoming a process that he actually shares in a book called The First 20 Hours and I wanted to sit down and learn that process from Josh. Um, So this is a bit of a different riff. It's actually a conversational riff, but it's focused on one very specific topic, as our riffs generally are, which is accelerated learning. And it's diving into the question, can you really become really good at almost anything in 20 hours? And Josh says, yes, you can, if you understand the process and you understand precisely what to focus on. And what to completely ignore. And by the way, the things to completely ignore are very often the very things that we are taught to focus on. So really excited to share this conversation with you about accelerated learning and how to really become good at stuff in a mere 20 hours. Oh, one more quick note also. You'll notice that the audio, the sound of the audio is a bit different in the actual conversation. This was actually recorded with Josh on location in Colorado. So there's a, li- a little bit more space in, uh, in the audio. So that's uh, just want to let you know why the um, sound is a bit different than our normal in-studio. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. Good Life Project is supported by FreshBooks cloud accounting software that helps you tackle your paperwork faster so you can spend more time building your business and less time chasing all the other stuff. For your 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash goodlife and be sure to enter Good Life Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section. On to our show. So my guest today is Josh Kaufman, and this is a special episode. One of the things that we've discovered through a lot of our viewers is that the process of trying to live a good life, a better life, often requires you learning a new set of skills. We've had a ton of questions over the last year from people who say, I would love to do this, but I don't have time in my life to do it. I don't want to wait forever to make it happen. So we're bringing you Josh, who's also the author of a book called The First 20 Hours, who's an expert in, I guess, what I would call accelerated learning. So great to be hanging out with you today.
1: Thanks thanks for having me. Great to hang out.
0: Couldn't sort of like have asked for a, a better person to drop in at a better time because it really is, it's an interesting thing. It seems like you know the world is moving faster. Mm-hmm. Um, we all want to get stuff done. A lot of people want to make big changes and feel like they're living better lives, but they look out there and they're like, there's stuff that I need to know, stuff that I need to learn, stuff that I need to master to do it, and I just don't have time of the day to right. do it. Right. Right. I'm curious. I mean, I want to get like right in with you, sort of like the idea behind your book. Sure. But one quick question first, which is, what was the motivation for you to actually go down this rabbit hole?
1: Yeah. So, so two primary motivations. The the first is, you know, in terms of the research and the writing that I do, I like to look at at topics that are like fundamental human experiences, like Mm. things that everybody needs to know or everybody deals with in in some way, shape or form. And those things can be big and complex and scary and frustrating in a lot of ways. But if you, if you just dive in and break it down, what you often find is it's not really as hard as it feels. Mm. And so, uh, part of the motivation was, you know, learning is something, you know, learning new skills is a fundamental part of what it is to be human. And so let's figure out how to do that. Let's figure out how to do it better.
0: Uh, and most per- people like for most people the thought of I mean for me the thought of learning new stuff
1: I'm giddy I love yeah. it but for a lot of people it's scary. it's terrifying right right particularly if it's something you know is going would be super fun or super valuable but but you know nothing about it and you just look at right. it it's like oh my gosh this is this is really big um, the motivation for me personally was uh, I run my own business my wife Kelsey runs her own business. And two and a half years ago, uh, our daughter Leela came into the world and all of a sudden we had zero, right. zero free time. And, um, and so, you know, I, just like you, I, I really geek out about this stuff. I, I have a list of things that I want to learn a mile long. And so, you know, not having any time, it's like, okay, I may only be able to, to set aside, you know, half an hour. Forty-five minutes a day. Yeah. So if that's all I have. Then you know, let's figure out how to how right. to learn as quickly as possible in that short. Period.
0: And at the same time, you don't want to wait forever to get, exactly. to get results. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of people are like, okay, I, I could figure out, like, I could scrap somehow to find like that half an hour a day. But does doing it so little mean that it's going to take me like ten years? Yes. To actually be decent enough at it, so it'll actually be fun.
1: Right. And and what I found through my research is that. Totally not the case. It doesn't take very long. Yeah. Even if you know absolutely nothing, or you only have a certain amount of time every every day to sit down and, and learn it, you can become very, very good at something in a very short period of time. Mm. I think that's fun. So, and, but this uh, flies in the face to
0: a certain extent, also in what like has commonly become known as the ten thousand hour rule. Sure,
1: a little bit, a little bit. Um, it's it's actually uh, a lot more complimentary than it would it seem mm. at the surface. So the whole idea of the ten thousand hour rule. Uh, came from research by Kay Andrews Erickson, right. uh, Florida State University. And and the idea behind that was, you know, if you look at the people in ultra competitive, easily ranked fields, professional golfers, uh, musicians, all of these folks where you can, you can get an estimate of who really is the best in the world in an object on an objective level, right. Uh, the question that, that, uh, Dr. Erickson was researching is what does it take to, to get to that level right, on, so on like some top, very top, narrow top. thing? Wow. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to step on a golf course and compete with Tiger Woods, that's about, uh, the, the amount of time it's going to take you to get there. But the vast majority of us, that's not the goal. That's not what we're trying to do. Yeah. We just may have something in our minds that we want to comp- want to accomplish or an area of life we want to explore. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot less time to get what we want out right. of something.
0: And I guess for a lot of people, the motivation is probably one of two things. We just You want to get good enough so you enjoy doing it. Yeah. And, or maybe like professionally, you want to develop a skill set enough so that you can actually start to leverage it. To Absolutely. Build your career or change your career for a lot of people. Yeah.
1: Like, so th- there are a bunch of things that, that you can learn that can help you, you know, do better in your business. There are a bunch of things that you can do to, to do for fun. It doesn't take that long.
0: Yeah. So let's dive right into it because you kind of have a methodology yes. that you developed. Um, so take us through the, I guess it's five sort of like core ideas.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so the first step in this process, and, and this is something that, that applies to every skill, could be a, a motor skill like you know, learning how to fly an airplane or skateboard or something like that uh could be a uh, cognitive skill like like language or programming or, okay. or, or or something. So the the first step is is uh deciding exactly what it is you want, right? Why are you jazzed about this thing in the first place? Uh if you're able to really clearly define what it is you're trying to get, it's called setting a target performance level. The more clearly that level of performance uh, the more clearly you can define that, the, the easier it is for you to look out into the world and find ways to get there in the most direct
0: okay. way possible. Right. So, like, what's an example of that?
1: So, for example, uh, for me, I learned a lot, uh, a lot of things in the in the process of, of putting together this book. And one of the things that I wanted to be able to do was program. And so, instead of just saying I want to be a programmer, right, doesn't give you any information right. whatsoever. So amorphous. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's here is this idea of a program that I would like to sit down and create from nothing. And it mm. looks like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. When I make this thing, I'll have developed the skills that are necessary in order to get the particular result, right? Got it. So instead of learning everything in the world about programming, I decided this is the subsegment of that skill I'm interested in learning first, so that's what I'm gonna focus on. First.
0: So it has to be like very goal oriented and also very specific. Yes.
1: So what is it going to look like when you're done? What are you going to be able to see or or experience that'll let you know right. you reach the level? There.
0: Okay, so like, if you want to learn a language, is I want to I want to speak French enough, or is it not enough? So like, yeah, what would that look like in yours or like framework?
1: So uh, let's say, for example, I want to go to a restaurant that has a French-speaking waiter, and I want to order and conduct the entire meal in this language. Uh, and and have a good time doing it. That's something that that's specific enough to practice. Got it. Okay. Uh, so you make it almost make it too specific at the beginning because once you get to that level, you can always ratchet up the stakes. Right. You reach that threshold, yeah. practice something
0: else. I mean, what I found is once you have, once you get a, just like the most baseline proficiency in something, it sucks less. Yes. And now you actually like that baseline level. It, it creates a whole new level of motivation to want to learn more because okay. now you've kind of gotten through like the scales in music or something like that yeah.
1: and it's it's important to, to understand that the first couple of hours of practicing something new are frustrating yeah for everyone everybody's terrible at the beginning and so you know if you can push through those those early few hours the practice itself becomes fun and it becomes way easier to continue right. to improve
0: so okay so that's number one yes number two
1: okay so after you decide what you want uh, you do what's called deconstructing the skill. And, and the, the idea behind that is a lot of the things that we think of as skills, like, for example, playing golf or speaking French or uh, learning how to program, those aren't exactly skills. Mm. They're really kind of general topics that contain lots of smaller subskills. skills right. So it's really hard to practice being a good golfer. It's way easier to practice hitting off of the tee with a driver right so you take the the global skill and you break it up into much smaller parts and if you're clear about what you want it becomes very easy to find what are those sub skills what are the smaller parts that are actually going to help you get to that target performance Mm. level as quickly as possible
0: so like if there are a hundred sub skills if you've done number one it makes it much easier to figure out okay what are the Fifteen of those subskills that are going to give me eighty percent of the results towards exactly. getting where I want to go. And what, what
1: you often find is is it's only maybe two or three subskills no that you use most of the time. Huh? Yeah. So it, so it's just you know breaking it down into small enough chunks. If you do just a little bit of research, which is, which is actually step three, right? You you go out into the world, you find sources of information right. that help you do this deconstruction. If you look at, you know, say, for example, pick up five books on whatever it is that you're trying to learn how to do, Mm. don't read them cover to cover, skim all of them, one right after the other. And what you'll see is the two or three subskills that you're going to use most of the time are the ones that come up over Over and over over over. again, Ah, right? So you just practice those first. And if you spend your time practicing those things and avoid a lot of the distractions or things that aren't going to help you, you save a lot of time and energy as you're practicing.
0: Right now, I want to share a little bit about today's sponsor with you. So we've learned over the years that so many of you, our listeners, are freelancers or professionals or solopreneurs in some way. So we jumped at the chance to partner with FreshBooks. It's this ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software. It also has a beautiful app. And it lets you simplify things like invoicing and tracking expenses. And this is super important too, getting paid online so you can spend more time doing the part that you love. And here's one thing I know, when it comes to living a good life, doing more of what you love and less of what you don't is a pretty important thing. 10 million people trust FreshBooks to rock their books and get paid with ease online and on time. So you can claim your month-long free trial with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com goodlife and be sure to enter good life project in the how did you hear about us section two. All right, back to our show. So I have a big question, so I'll ask you now. If out of a whole basket of potential sub-skills that add up to this thing that you want to accomplish, only a small handful are very often really, really critical why are we taught to, <laughs> to do them all at once?
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that actually. I, I think the, the biggest thing is we treat in our culture now learning as a very academic exercise. Mm. Like the, the, the objective is to suck in a ton of information about right. this thing, whether or not you're going to use it. And, and I think you know education in, in our culture now has been seen in the academic sense and less in the sense of practicing something with the eye of using it to do some particular mm, cool that. thing. So it's less applied. Yeah, it's more yeah. so theory. you know, the, the whole idea of, of researching the, the topic and something that I had to train myself out of is I love doing research, right? <laughs> so the first thing, like the programming was a good example of this for me. It's like, oh, i learned learn how to program. I get 10 books, I have these courses, right. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through all of this stuff and then I'm going to sit down and write a program. Mm. It's like, no. You, just, you you use the research, do just enough research to help you do the deconstruction and find the most important sub-skills first, mm-hmm. and then get out of research mode and into practice mode as quickly right. as you can. Because that's
0: where the real stuff's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and
1: when you start practicing what it is you're actually trying to do, that's when you right. see the performance improvement.
0: Now, you also made a differentiation when we started the conversation between cognitive skills, like learning a language, yeah. and did you use motor, motor skills? skills? Yep. Motor skills. You know, like swinging a bat or you know playing golf. Do all of these steps, I mean, we still have two more to work through, but, but you know, with the three that we covered so far, are they all sort of equally relevant to both types of learning?
1: Yeah. So for, for both types of learning, you have to go through the same general process. Some of the actual practice techniques can be different. So for example, one of the things that you can do when you're practicing a motor skill, which works really well is practice it within a couple hours of going to sleep either huh. taking a nap or, or going to bed for the, for the night. There's a lot of research uh, uh, around the, the, the idea of what's called uh, uh, um, consolidation. So your right. brain translates the practice and experience you had and, and enc- encodes neural connections to help you do it better. Right. Um, that practice, or, or that process, is way more efficient if you practice within about four hours of going to sleep. Hmm. So I, in the process of, of writing the first 20 hours, I, re, I retaught myself how to touch type on a different keyboard, hmm. which is like you know, having the, experiment, the experience of rewiring my brain to do something differently. Right. Um, and then, then you know, fun things like playing the ukulele, which is all motor skills. And it was surreal, surreal experience. I would practice it right before I would go to bed. And, you know, the first couple hours of practice was just terrible. Right. So I would practice, I'd go to bed, I'd pick it up first thing in the morning just to see. And it was, like, astounding how much better I was after a couple hours sleep. That's amazing. Because, you know, sleep helps consolidate that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: no, that's really cool. Um,
1: so, yeah, some of the actual practice techniques are different. Uh, but the same, the, the general process is is the same.
0: Right. It's, so that's pretty remarkable. You literally wake up in the morning and you're better than you were when you went to sleep, yeah. just because you slept in the middle of it,
1: absolutely so yeah, so for for like noticeably most, better like really? noticeably better, like you know one of the in the process of learning typing, like you know once I switched keyboard formats, I went from from um, typing about as fast as I could think to literally like five words per minute, like terrible right. And and so you know practicing right before bed and getting up in the morning and trying to use my computer like with, in the first couple of days I was doing it, it was like oh my gosh I can actually like type now I can do something that's crazy and, yeah <laughs> so so you know that type of thing works for a motor skill uh, for for cognitive skills memorization techniques like spaced repetition reinforcement mm. like flashcard model or flashcards with with feedback helping you remember things works really well. Uh, so, yeah, the actual practice techniques can be very different, but the core method of, of learning right. is, is very much the
0: same. And again, for both of them, before you go to bed? Yes. Helps with the consolidation. Absolutely. Very. Interesting. What about simulated practice?
1: Simulated practice can be effective as as long as it is as close to real-world performance as, as you can make it. Right. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of the, um, you know, trying to memorize something and, and then uh having that translate directly into practice doesn't really work. Yeah. I guess it's I'm just, thinking yeah. more of in terms of like, like motor skills. Okay. Yeah, like when what?
0: I was a gymnast, when I was a kid, we, we would, you know, before any event, you know, I would basically, before I would step up to a piece of press, I would kind of close my eyes and I would actually envision my body, like moving through the yes. entire thing. Okay. And then was all this research that said that, you know, it triggers all the same motor neurons That would be trigger like the same response in your brain, As if you were actually doing it. But I'm curious in terms of sort of like accelerated learning, whether that would actually make you progress faster and towards a high level of proficiency in this skill. Yeah,
1: there there is quite a bit of research that says that imaginary types of practice uh, does work, and it works well with a catch which is you have to do it in addition to the the physical practice, right? right? So, so if you're starting to consolidate those motor movements and and you're doing that in practice and then you're reinforcing that with imagined practice, awesome. But you know, what I, what I found is a lot of people get caught up in the, uh, the, the, the process of just doing the physical practice first.
0: So we got to three of the five steps now. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of like close the, uh, the loop here. So step number four,
1: Okay. Step number four is removing barriers to practice. So things that are preventing you from actually sitting down and doing the work. Okay. Sometimes those things are environmental distractions, like you know turning off the TV or blocking the internet Mm. or closing the door. You know all the things that you can do to make sure in those early hours of practice, which are frustrating you don't get so frustrated that it's easy to stop focusing on whatever it is that you're doing and start paying attention to something else. You know, likewise, anything that you can do to make sure it takes as little energy as possible to start practicing Mm. is super helpful at that point. So you know, instead of keeping your guitar in the case in the back of the closet on the other side of your house, right? Right. Take the guitar out of the case, get a stand, put it right next to, your, yep. uh, next to your couch. And that just, you know, anything that you can do to make it easier on yourself to, to get those early hours of practice, the better.
0: Yeah. I mean, my guitar is actually hanging out on a rack because of that. It's yeah. like almost because I just forget it's even there. Totally. You know, it's like the visual cue actually makes a really big difference for me. Okay. Yep. Right, so number four is, um, now I'm curious also, I mean, it sounds like there's a bit of crossover between that and sort of like BJ Fogg's work on mm-hmm. really habits.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely it 's you know a lot of the same you know this is where the behavioral psychology elements of this come in right. it 's how can you make it easier to do the thing that you want to be doing instead of getting distracted by some shiny object and, and going and doing something right. else uh, so instead of relying on on exerting a lot of willpower to force yourself to do this thing that you 've decided you want to do, you spend a little bit of willpower, a little bit of time and energy altering the structure of the environment around you. Right. Just make it easier, easy as possible to do the thing that you want yeah, to do. Yeah,
0: totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. All right, last item, number last five. Last one, pre-commit to practicing at least 20 hours. And this is the mm-hmm. big one. So, so all the things that we've talk, talked about so far is getting set up uh, to sit down and do the work of actually practicing. Um, the pre-commitment uh, and, and the idea of practicing at least 20 hours, there's a lot of behavioral psychology behind that. Um, the two big things is, first, it's a really important check on your reasons for learning this thing in the first place. Mm, so it's right. kind of like, I, I'm, if I'm not willing yeah. to commit to 20 hours,
0: I can't be all that serious about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like,
1: is, this, is, this worth, is it worthwhile for me to rearrange my schedule and right. stop doing other things? And, you know, is this something that I'm expecting to get enough benefit from to make the effort worth it? Yeah. If it's not, don't do it. Right. Life yeah. is short, you know? It's like, go do something else that, that you will get more benefit out of or you are more excited about. So if you're willing to set aside at least 20 hours, what the pre-commitment does is make sure that you practice long enough to push through that early frustration yeah. and actually start seeing results. And, and I think a lot of us uh, really seriously overestimate just how long it takes to become good at something. Mm. So you can, you can become really, really good at something, surprisingly good at something, in as little as 20 hours. Mm. So if you practice that long, you're going to be way better at, at the end of that than you were at the beginning. Yeah.
0: I guess a lot of people also figure, well, you know, 20 hours, you know, I, I, I've, I've done that with a million different things and, you know, I really wasn't very good, but probably when they actually look back and say, well, no, like I missed three days here. And like that one day where I was, you know, said I was practicing for an hour, I was really practicing for 10 minutes. So when you really add up all the time, I'm guessing there's a little bit of self-delusion that
1: happens. If there's, there's actually quite a bit of research behind this. Are Minds are not built to accurately estimate time. Huh. And in the early parts of, of, of learning from something new, it's like, you know, it's terrible. It's like, oh man, I've been at this hours. And you look at the clock and you've been at it ten minutes. Right. And and so a lot of the, you know, both pre committing to a certain amount of practicing. So twenty twenty hours roughly is about forty minutes a day for a month. Okay. Give or take.
0: So you kinda of think in your mind, forty minutes
1: a day for a yeah. month. Um so a couple of and, and I usually break my practice sessions into about 20 minutes a piece, right? So two 20 minute practice sessions every day for about a month, uh, can, can get you there. And, and so, you know, if, if you're able and willing to do that, um, pre-committing the time, make sure that you practice long enough to, to see that really good result. But, uh, it's also, you know, psychologically not, it doesn't feel like that big of a hurdle to say, okay, this is important to me. I, I can set aside at least that amount of time. Right. So it's, just enough that you're going to see dramatic results, but not so much that it prevents you from making the pre-commitment in right. the first place. I love that.
0: So let's um, recap the five steps.
1: Okay. So, so the five steps in order. Uh, step one, decide what you want. What's your target performance level? Mm-hmm. Step two is deconstruct the skill. Separate it into smaller subskills. Practice the most important ones first. Number three is research the skill just enough to do the deconstruction and choose the most important subskills, but not so much that it becomes a barrier to practice mm-hmm. in itself. Uh, number four is eliminate barriers to practice. Make, make it easy uh, to do what you want to do. And number five is pre-commit to practicing uh, whatever it is that you want to be able to do for at least 20 hours.
0: Mm. Love it. All right. So my mind is spinning because I'm thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to
1: do? I was going to ask, what, what what, I? What, what's what's in the back of your mind? What have you always wanted to to learn how to do? Um,
0: it's interesting. I mean, languages, because I don't speak another language. Mm-hmm. I took Latin for six years, which means I speak nothing but English. Um, I just, yeah, it's interesting. Like I want to blur out a whole bunch of different things, but number five is making me say, I need to really think about this. Yeah. Because I don't want to like say, okay, okay, people, I'm gonna commit to this publicly. (laughs) Yeah. And then like you know, an hour after we film this, I'm like, I'm not really like willing to put in my 20 hours for that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I'm really thinking that through. Um, Awesome conversation, and I love sort of like the breakdown that you have. And this is all part of this is all. I mean, obviously detailed and you know a whole bunch more extensively in the first 20 hours. But thanks for stopping by and sharing this with me. Because like I said. One of the consistent questions that we keep getting from people is, you know, I I know that for me to get to a place where I feel like, you know, like I'm living well in the world, I'm doing these things, career, personal, whatever it is, there's a body of knowledge that I need to know and get decent at. But I'm just, I don't know how to do it, and I think it's going to take forever. So I think this is a really great formula to help people get there.
1: Thanks. And, you know, it's, I think the really good news is that the outcome of this research is the, the barrier to sitting down and learning something new is not intellectual, Mm. We're all smart enough to to sit down and figure it out and and practice in a smart way. The barrier's emotional. And so, you know, a lot of these things are just working with ourselves in a smart way to decide we're interested in in doing something, figure out how to do it, and actually sit down and practice so we can do a bunch of cool stuff. Love it. That's fun.
0: Awesome. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My guest today has been Josh Kaufman, the author of The First 20 Hours. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project.